0: Part 3 On Earth as It Is in Heaven. As I reflected on Mark's passing over the hours, then days that followed, my satisfaction in God's goodness swelled beyond the delight I had in all the minor details that had been so carefully, seamlessly, and lovingly planned by my Father. My initial rejoicing had been that God would have seen fit to answer the cry of my heart, and to such a miraculous detail that I could not doubt his love for myself or Mark. But as I praised God, I was struck, down to my knees in worship, at how God had used Mark's final breaths to show me the right order of things. I was in love with my God for what He did, and suddenly felt this shift, where the love that my husband and I had was under the love of God, and protected by Him, and treasured by Him, and had been purified by Him. God used our broken past to heal our past. Things came to me in pieces. The realization that I was no longer worrying about what Mark was doing. Did he fall while I was gone? Is he still breathing? But wondering instead felt delicious. I've already told the Lord I don't want Mark meeting C.S. Lewis before I do, but I have a suspicion he was one of the first saints Mark hugged. And this feeling stays with me. You have to understand, Mark had been sick so long, I had already grieved having to go out by myself years ago, already mourned not having sex anymore sometime back in 2019. Had already learned how to make the most of the decisions how to make most of the decisions at home by myself when Mark's brain was foggy, sometimes for months on end, which was by far the most difficult aspect of his illness. I hated not running everything by him. I hated him coming out of a fog and wondering at all the choices I'd made, and see how sad he was he hadn't been able to help. I didn't realize until after he was gone just how well I had already mourned and grieved each loss, oftentimes with Mark. I could not, still cannot, find it in me to mourn his broken person suit when I know his soul is free. Think about what Jesus said to his disciples. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. It's like that. My delight grew as I thought about how Mark and I were, in the same moment, given a holy perspective on our past. I saw how God had stamped everything approved or forgiven, and I marveled that he would do that for me, on earth, at the same time he was revealing these truths to Mark in heaven. And I would yell at God, how dare you love me this much? How dare you love us this much? And it was when a friend pointed out that Mark wasn't aware what his final day was like that was for you, Nicole, he said, again, blown away by God's goodness to one so very undeserving. What really struck me, though, what made this all a seismic shift, was when I went back to read my poem a couple of days after Mark passed on, but with a view of it from the throne room. Here's what we know from scripture. There are angels watching over us and protecting us. There is much rejoicing by the angels when a sinner repents so they obviously know what's going on, collectively, down here. There are innumerable angels in festal gathering. Let's assume part of this celebration is related to the above text. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Even the saints are watching. And if you're not sure about how this fits with the whole don't-have-a-body thing, I would suggest that Enoch and Elijah can't possibly be the only two dudes partying with Jesus and the angels. Assume with me for a minute that God is about to bring Mark home, and in those very moments he's going to breathe new life into me and give me a new heart, even as Mark takes his final breaths and beats. He's crowning Mark, even while he's rewriting our love story from his perspective for me. He's doing this ridiculous on-earth-as-it-is-in-heaven thing. Of course there is an audience. So I went back to tethered.925 And what I read there, when I read it from heaven's perspective, was so far beyond even what I had intended when I wrote it. Like I said, outrageous love. My father threw us the biggest party. And as Mark made his way to being a spirit without his body, I found the shift occurring in myself. C.S. Lewis says, You don't have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. That felt real. I have felt in constant communion with the Lord since I felt like a delighted child who is thrilled with her daddy in his presence I felt a love for God as father I have never known and prayer suddenly went from strain to finding the right a strain to find the right tone to approaching with confidence and ease I sense the spiritual world around us I knew, and I know this is what God would have for his children Let me be clear Mark is my treasure in heaven When the tap was dripping and the door creeping open, I said, Mark, if that's you, quit messing around. I'm going to you. I've kept the bathroom door shut when we were both in our bodies. I don't think he should be peeking now. I also think it would be weird if people thought I was always going to be shout, showing up with him to, at get-togethers. We all like to say he's in our hearts, or he's watching over you, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible where saints become omnipresent, and Mark has a house I know he's working on for me. Do I think it's likely he sees at least from time to time? Yes. Do I think it likely that he's getting updates from Mason's angels in between? Yes. Do I think my father passes on messages when I ask him to tell Mark I want ruby floors in the library? I have no clue, nor do I need to know. I will tell you, he delights in the fact that the very idea is enough to give me joy.